1: digital audio health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now, and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant.
0: Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has he been inspired by a calling, crafted his journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversations and to use them to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Dr. Howard Eisenberg. He is a medical doctor with additional postgraduate training in both psychology and psychiatry. He has been a lecturer in parapsychology at the University of Toronto and an associate professor of medicine at the University of Vermont. He is also the CEO of the international consultancy SignTrack, Inc. On a more personal level, he has been on a personal lifelong quest to discover the true nature of reality. He was awarded the first postgraduate degree in Canada at McGill University, Parapsychological Research on Telepathy. He then pioneered the instruction of parapsychology as a regular credit course at the University of Toronto. Almost half a century ago, he authored his first trailblazing book, Inner Spaces, Parapsychological Explorations of the Mind. This new book, Dream It to Do It, is a culmination of his successful quest to learn How Reality Works. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Howard, how are you you today?
1: Thank you, Rhonda. It's a pleasure to be here. You're
0: welcome. Oh, it's such a pleasure uh, for me to be interviewing you. I'm in love with your new book,
1: Dream It, To
0: Do It. The Science of Magic is just incredible. I am actually um, read it, but I also bought the audio. And I've really, I really enjoyed the audio as well.
1: I think they complement each other really well. Like one's maybe more intellectual, the book itself, same material, but the way you receive it with the audio, it's experiential in a different way. So I think the ideal yes. is actually both versions. The,
0: yeah, it's very the audio is very intimate. I I mm-hmm. really I've really enjoyed it. And Good. I'm gonna listen right. to it again too. So it was wonderful. So my question is what age were you when you started to remember that you had special abilities?
1: I don't have a specific age. It's more, you know, an age band uh, around 11 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started having a different awareness uh, than my family, than my peers. Okay. Uh, not something at the time I was putting in words, but it was an awareness um, mm-hmm. uh, of what I would now call a glimpse of the spaciousness of consciousness. <laughs> I, I it's was a aware glimpse mm-hmm. of an inner depth that no one had talked about, um, and I had no one to talk about to it. I just was mm-hmm. experiencing it, um, and also uh, a sense of the world being partly mysterious, but also not as it 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 necessarily seems on the surface. Again, a very rudimentary sense of that when I was around eleven. I repeat. Um, and also became more aware of my intellectual gifts around that age. I was actually a very mediocre student until approximately grade five elementary or so around that time, mm-hmm. um, just passing, but barely, because I was distracted. I, I wasn't yes. I was somewhere else, so to speak.
0: Um, okay. And
1: I had a teacher in grade five who recognized the potential intellectually mm-hmm. and he he drew me out and uh, my grades went to the highest level they could possibly go without my really burning the midnight oil and right. school honored that, that achievement by giving me a special award at graduation even though it wasn't my graduation i was just in grade five for the most improved student in the school mm-hmm. um, so it was on both levels you know the subjective sense of the spaciousness and also intellectually suddenly mm-hmm. starting to fire in all cylinders in a much sharper way
0: mm-hmm. And yeah, so what was interfering with your learning was your preoccupation of lots of other things going on, um, energy-wise, I would imagine, receiving different energies or- I, I don't
1: even know if I could you know, put it in those words. I'll just okay. say um, I wasn't fully present in the outside world. No one would have known that. It wasn't that I was no, I know. Or anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. But you asked the question, like when I had that awareness, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't in a sense of physical energy. Um, it's very hard to put in words. You know, they, they say the mystical experience is ineffable. You, know, you can't put it in words. And one mm-hmm. of the challenges of my book was to take the experiences of, of the mystics uh, and some people with meditation, psychedelics, or various other ways that there's all kinds of consciousness and find a way using language to explain it in such a way that as it actually isn't so intellectual, that becomes a little more experiential. Mm-hmm. It's hard to put it in words uh, explicitly because the words, like we mm-hmm. say, you know, the map is not the territory. Uh, mm-hmm. So the word is more like a symbol towards something. The word itself has no meaning in itself.
0: Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand what you're saying. And so I think, is it that you're more in touch with your soul and your soul's mission or journey. Um and a little bit more you seem to be a little bit more serious about life during that time than other uh, children tended to be.
1: And around um age 12, again I'm just Paul mm-hmm. Park Yeah time sure ago. yeah
0: there's a long I'm time, just, time I'm
1: just yeah. i 76 so it's a long time ago.
0: Yeah. Oh I,
1: I, <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, accompanying my mother to a supermarket a store to buy groceries. And by the aisles, as they still do, they would have magazines and displays. And at the time, they had a series of books being advertised on the Bible. And they were um, offering the first volume, I think, for 99 cents. Right. Like
0: that. Yeah, that, so I remember I, stuff like that. I asked yeah. my
1: mother to buy it for me. Mm-hmm. And um, it had an unusual impact on me. Um, again, I went somewhere else with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first. Intimation, as I look back on it now, of a sense of a calling. It, it was mm-hmm. so nascent. It was so, you know, um, just a flicker back then. But a something flicker. Happened. Mm-hmm. But something happened. Something uh, happened. I would not expect. It wasn't like reading a regular book.
0: Hmm. Well, I find it fascinating, and you know, you know, and I early on also felt uh these types of abilities and one of the questions that i've asked people and actually i'd like to ask you is when did you know you were you when did you have a recognition of self and the reason i ask, go mm -hmm. ahead
1: probably again around that age you first you know ask me awareness around 11 Um, Mm -hmm. so i was experiencing a sense of agency um that that i wasn't just passively Mm -hmm. in the world to go through right. the motions of various things and mm-hmm. eventually, you know, become mature and so on. It was a very different sense. Mm-hmm. And that's partly why academically it just shot up incredibly.
0: Right. At that time. Mm-hmm. It, yes. Mm-hmm. Because when I've asked people and they say, well, I've always been me, you know, and I was, and, and I remember when I when mm-hmm. I came into being and mm-hmm. I realized I was me and I realized that there was. A space around me as well mm-hmm. not only in front of me but behind me and being able to observe myself mm-hmm. and i i just felt different than other people i mm-hmm. i really did because of that I can what in- to it. pardon
1: i could relate to that
0: you can relate to that yeah mm-hmm. so what what inspired you to dig deeper into the parapsychology
1: World. Again, back to uh, that early age around 11 to 12,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was being really curious to understand more fully the world reality mm-hmm. um,
0: yeah,
1: in a much deeper sense, obviously, than my peers at such a young mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I became very interested in just reading whatever I could about science, about history, about religion, uh, very, mm-hmm. very precociously on my own. And uh, in my early teens, I discovered bookstores which back then like were paperback bookstores so they were, right they were expensive and accessible um and that was became the, the kind of the joy of my life to go to the bookstore and get books mm-hmm. so i would read on everything including by the way science fiction which partly inspired me at the time yes around the time when i was reading about things that were just out of people's imagination as fiction writers not as scientists when things were starting to happen in the outside world our conventional world if you want to call it that way mm-hmm. That were sort of manifesting things that were just speculative, you know, imagination uh, in, in these science fiction books, like for example, Outer Space, the Sputniks. Were mm-hmm. on. Um, so as I pursued more deeply various aspects, both of science fiction and of the various sciences and world again studies on anthropology, religion at a very young age, um, I started to become also aware that there was this. Um, at least in science fiction literature to begin with, um, references to things like teleportation, time travel. Right. And I started to become curious. Like some of the things were happening in other space, which were just speculative fiction when they were written. I was wondering if if that also may be something that has reality to it. And so I started to look for books that might talk seriously about such things. Discovered the work of J.B. Wine, who was the yes. our pioneering parapsychologist in the US and in some ways internationally, as looking at it as a science. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually met him, by the way, I went down to Durham, Wonderful. North Carolina, and met him personally. Um, Wonderful. In, in my early twenties. Um, but coming back to that, so as I started reading it, that there was some serious research going on in this, I became curious too. back to personal awareness can mm-hmm. I do something with this intentionally? I mean, as opposed to it just, you know, happening spontaneously sometimes. Yeah. Can I do it intentionally? And so I, at a very young age, we're talking middle teens almost, uh, I thought of doing some experiments on my own. I didn't know anyone okay. I to talk to you about this. At that
0: right. Point. Yeah, so, exactly.
1: And my first experiments that I remember were sitting on the back of streetcars, the very back, as far back as you could go. Right. And focusing my attention, intention on somebody at the very front of the streetcar who's sitting down with their back to me. Mm-hmm. And the, the experiment was to see if when I concentrated on them, yeah. could I uh, cause them to both feel
0: mm-hmm. something
1: and to such a degree that they would turn around and look directly at me, not around the, the streetcar, but directly at me. And right mm-hmm. away, that was the test. You know, wow. so it was just a random thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that worked. And then I tried to make it harder, like thinking scientifically you was know, a kid. Um, yes. And I only, only would choose people who were reading a book or a magazine. So they were already were mm-hmm. absorbed with something. And would have worked even in that situation. And it did. And then I raised the condition one step further and only would take people who were in conversation with each other at the front of the vehicle, thinking again, it's even less likely they would be aware of, you know, some subtle thing in the background. Right. Yes. It worked. Um, so that was kind of the first experiment I remember doing. I've done others since, obviously. Um, but that's, I think, the first one around my mid-teens that way.
0: I love that experiment. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've, I've played with that, too. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Uh, the re- you, you feel like you have a secret or, a, you know, a special power that you're able to do that. And those people don't realize something that happened to me yesterday morning, I was Mm -hmm. uh, in Ottawa, Mm -hmm. and I was with my sister. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was in the morning, and we were just chatting and things like that. And all of a sudden, I started putting my boots on. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And as soon as I put my boots on, the fire alarm went. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So that is a knowing something that may happen in the future. But it's also recognizing what you're doing and what happens after you've done what you've done and putting those two things together. Like how was it, was there a part of me that knew that the fire alarm was going to sound in this Mm -hmm. hotel that Mm -hmm. we were in? Mm -hmm. And I put my boots on ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I become so curious about that. Mm -hmm. So very curious. And so this leads me into precognition Mm -hmm. and precognitive dreaming. Mm -hmm. So how would you like to speak about that? I'd like to know your views on that.
1: Well, first, I think there's very strong scientific proof that um, first, the precognition does exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some people, it doesn't mean everyone who says you know, they have mm-hmm. abilities is gifted as they does, mm-hmm. but in laboratory studies, which are extremely well-controlled with replications, mm-hmm. we have proven the existence of precognition, as we call it in, in parapsychology, or the public would refer to as, as premonitions. Oh,
0: premonitions, case. yes.
1: But it's also something that I'm personally familiar with in terms of experiencing it. And, and, and for me, it's been not always, but, but relatively painful, especially these last several years, um, right because i've have foreseen so much of the darkness that's happening and it still is going to happen um and it's a horribly painful experience to see awful things and not be able to do anything about it
0: mm-hmm.
1: um in my case i don't have a choice of, of this type of awareness right um, but i do have a choice in what i do with it uh, okay which is not easy <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it, it's easy to be overwhelmed by this and and, and get into a a sense of despair you know depression mm-hmm. uh, what's the use or, or throw caution to the wind and just live hedonistically for a short period of time as many humans are doing right now crazily. Right. but they are right um, but for me what I decided I had to do and I felt this is where the calling comes into it in this case I felt I have to share what I have learned not not just the I'll call them the existential threats which are multiple that we're facing right now in our world. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned about how reality works. Um, yes. And and realized just recently, a few years ago that that really had been my life quest to to understand reality. And secondly to share that with others before, obviously, in a very elementary form. So, for example, I've, I've worked still as a medical psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. I've worked as a high-level corporate consultant and trainer, executive coach. So uh, I've written a previous book, Half-Century yes. Spaces, Parapsychological Expressions of in Mind. I had my own CBC National Radio Series, Odyssey. So I've done many oh, different okay. things, but the common denominator underlying all that has been educating sharing information, increasing yes. people's awareness. However, this is a different level now um, because I never was concerned so much with existential threats as, mm-hmm. I, as I see them now. And I don't see the humanity broadly um, rising in any way to the challenge. I, I see a number of things happening. I see mass emotional dysregulation, mm-hmm. people losing it to put it in simpler terms. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, as I say, just living for the moment because they don't feel there's a future. Mm-hmm. Um, other people just selfishly grabbing what they can from others uh, in various ways. Um, no constructive way of coming together to collaborate, which is the key thing we need to do because we've all been competing with each other in various ways or enemies with each other Right. Uh, and, and to go back and have a visionary sense, Mm -hmm. of the map forward instead of just downhill and be consumed by all this darkness uh, and a need for inspired leadership and new leadership not professional politicians Mm
0: -hmm. not people
1: who have strong egos and want other people to you know be impressed by them or have power over others or become more wealthy we don't want that type of person at this point they're totally the wrong ones for us we need people who have an inspired sense of mission and Those are people generally who shied away from politics. Yes. That's what we need right now. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, we need uh, different types of leaders. Um, There's been a whole movement um, in conscious awareness in the last few years. And I think that it's going to continue to develop. And the more... um, we talk about this type of thing. The more pa- podcasts that are done on it, mm-hmm. the more people have the opportunity to know that if they have these feelings, they found out that um, it is a genetic component to it, there is a genetic com- component to it, is it may give them permission to feel and recognize what they feel and it's okay to feel that way they don't have to be afraid of those feelings and to start talking to other people about it because there's been a whole there's been a whole movement of conscious awareness and do you want to talk to, uh, speak to our audience about conscious awareness like what does that mean because people say uh, some people are unconscious and I know I've been unconscious sometimes in my life, but I don't mean unconscious. I fell, hit my head and now I'm unconscious. I mean, not getting it, not having the mm-hmm. awareness of everything that's going around you and mm-hmm. only having sort of tunnel vision. I mean, there's still people like that, but can you just speak to conscious awareness?
1: Well, you know, my book is a combination of, of science. hmm and logical connections of the information that i've discovered so if people read it sequentially to mm-hmm. come back to your question it i hope leads them into that path of understanding and experiencing right. consciousness in a whole different way uh, my first chapter as you may recall is things are not as they seem
0: <laughs> i know it's they're not
1: you know that's and, right but the second chapter is the only thing you can absolutely know back to your your question on consciousness so I may I start uh trying to ask questions to help people reflexively start already at the very beginning of the book increase that awareness not because I say anything it's not a question of believing me or not but just consider Mm -hmm. (laughs) those you know historical record consider this scientific development just reflect on this question I mean it, it, it just comes to them if they're open to it, you know, in that sense. One way of defining consciousness itself, it's awareness mm-hmm. of being aware. And mm-hmm. that itself is basic. But there are different levels of consciousness. Mm-hmm. At many different levels. And many different levels of, I could say, of uh, associated with what we call reality. Or dimensions of reality, if you like. Then, okay. um, it, it's definitely not just all horizontal. Uh, mm-hmm. We're like the tips of the iceberg of you know, the the greater reality around us. And we live in a world right now, which is extremely materialistic. It's it's extremely about the things out there. Mm -hmm. And and also in terms of our psychological development, most of us are very much into ego um, in terms of, you know, what can we first of all personally do or obtain for our just basic, you know, protection, survival, but it's not satisfied with that. Because ego wants more, just like cancer Mm -hmm. wants more in the body. So how do I get more than my neighbor? Uh, How do I get people to work for me? Mm -hmm. Uh, How do I find a way of getting something somebody else has that I want? So that's what ego does. And it's it's running rampant right now. So that combination of materialism, the world out there, and being stuck in our ego, which is generally emotionally um, motivated, Mm -hmm. as opposed to intellectual awareness or enlightenment, quite the opposite are the challenges we have right now i've been interested as i said to you from an early age back because we went to adolescence earlier mm-hmm. in, in a different type of awareness and then i my first experience I repeat, and it was an experience not just reading that, mm-hmm. that first book on the bible um, right it, it opened up something else for me uh, experientially but mm-hmm. nevertheless until just a few years ago rhonda i've been approaching all of this as a scientist mm-hmm. uh, doing aside from my own experience when I was a teen, you know, in the streetcar with the uh, sort of form of telepathy in a sense, um, I went on at McGill University and actually did a master's degree thesis Mm -hmm. uh, on very tightly controlled experiments on telepathy, which were also extremely successful, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And up until a few years ago, that was still my main way of looking at things. As I said, I am a medical doctor. I still work as a Mm -hmm. psychotherapist in particular. Um, In my coaching work, I sometimes use expression, I do brain-based coaching because from understanding how the brain works, teaching people, there are things you can do. We're not giving a user's manual, owner's manual, but I can Mm -hmm. teach people Mm -hmm. different ways they can get the best performance, so to speak, out of their brain. Um, Although, as you know, in in the the book more broadly, I say the brain too is only part of the picture because the brain is a physical thing. It's part of what's out there. And, And we've had scientifically this assumption that what's out there is all there really is that matters and that the physical brain is the source of our mind our consciousness but that's not correct no. there's actually and this is i know dramatic when i say this but i mean it mm-hmm. there's no evidence whatsoever zero that the brain produces consciousness none none all we have is correlation all data meaning mm-hmm. if we alter the brain physically in some ways there's an alteration of someone's potential experience or what they can do with their body in terms of external behavior, but correlation is not causation
0: mm-hmm.
1: just because you can hear a program on a radio. And if you accidentally drop that radio and break it, you haven't destroyed the program that you were hearing on that radio. Any other radio would pick up the same program. Mm-hmm. So the brain is like a selective receiver that way, mm-hmm. but our Pete, so up until a few years ago, continuing to work on this scientific perspective uh testing things out, not taking things just on faith or because of peer pressure. Mm-hmm. And thinking that ultimately perhaps we'll understand the you know, extra abilities, powers of our mind um, through brain science because there's been a lot of things we have been learning uh, in the last few years of brain science, which we have. Technology now allows us to see the brain functioning like mm-hmm. fMRI imaging, for example, in real time. But then, about three years ago, I was invited to make a keynote presentation to the annual conference of a group of therapeutic touch practitioners right. on the Bible, laying hands. Mm-hmm. And I was honored by the invitation, and, and to honor it professionally, my ethics, I, I did a very, very deep dive mm-hmm. back into the parapsychological literature, into the latest modern uh, research on quantum mechanics and physics. Um, deeply again into comparative religions, deeply into uh, history of shamanistic indigenous, you know, beliefs and practices. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw, you saw the books. You know, how yes. wide <laughs> the scope was. It was phenomenally wide. Yes. Um, and then something unexpected happened to me. Coming back to the experiential side, mm-hmm. suddenly I experienced. This was not expected and not welcomed at the time. Mm-hmm. I suddenly did a hundred eighty degree flip of my understanding of reality. So up to this time, I'm thinking still buying into, in part, materialist reductionist paradigm of reality, that it's material it's out there, knowing there's more, but Mm -hmm. still mostly thinking, okay, but it's physical, it's out there. Um, And then suddenly I realized that although in parapsychology, it seems to be a weak science. Uh, they, they have to be in a defensive position in terms of, well, why aren't more people doing this, or why aren't there more publications in respected journals? Or, or why even can't you repeat your results you know, in a reliable way? Uh, so they've been on the defensive as a, as a weaker science. I suddenly realized that the evidence for consciousness, including parapsychological phenomena, but not, not just limited to it, was actually much greater than that mm-hmm. for an external outer physical reality. In mm-hmm. fact, I came to realize that the truth of the reality was consciousness comes first. We call this the primacy of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And we dream up the material world. The brain does not produce the mind. the mind mm-hmm. dreams up the brain. Mm-hmm. So it was a profound shift three years ago, and I realized wow. this wow. notion of material reality, it's a metaphysical fiction. We've been led to believe that it's true, it's not true.
0: Yes. And that's that's pretty heavy,
1: but we you know, like, you know, in, in our life. world right now, politically, there's such different ideologies where, you know, other people have no sympathy understanding of the other positions. And we're seeing this, you know, all over the world in various ways, whether it's plays out in dirty politics or actual unfortunately, war, war as we're experiencing the world right now, Similarly with religions, many people who believe uh, in their faith, believe that the one they were just born into, fortunately, is the only right one. And everyone else has the wrong one or worse, they're damned. And what I found was when I went deeply into all of these areas, Mm -hmm. the core of all world religions is the same message. We've Mm -hmm. just distorted it like the childhood party line game if you ever played that one. Um, So I came to a whole different understanding. And when I was younger, I would have called myself an agnostic if you would have asked me you know, what's your you know religious belief Or do you believe in right. god because mm-hmm. I, I knew well first of all i was still living in this material world even though i had some experiences mm-hmm. and i did not i'll admit emotionally i did not like the idea of my life being controlled by some powerful entity you know up there
0: right uh,
1: uh, as a kid i just rebelled against that notion i i don't want to be controlled mm-hmm. uh, most kids wouldn't even think of such things, but I yeah. was. So uh, I really couldn't call myself an atheist though, because I knew that was a theological contradiction. You'd have mm-hmm. to be God to be an atheist. How can you say, I say, no, there's no God, unless you right. are God. Right? Um, okay. which, is, which is interesting yeah. going back to that now in terms of that mm-hmm. self may have been a clue. Um, so I called myself an agnostic and I didn't go around, you know, in a milking way. But That's how I thought of myself. I don't mm-hmm. know. I want to see the evidence. And now I know and there is god mm-hmm. and all of this is from god and we've made such a mess of what we've oh yeah been given mm-hmm. and still yet could have it's a very narrow window of opportunity to save ourselves i know you know the bible and various times people have talked previous years end times mm-hmm. these are the end times right now mm-hmm. but Strangely enough, there's this window of opportunity. We're on the very edge. Some people call this the great turning. It's okay. not at all guaranteed we're going to get through this. And it won't just happen. No one's going to do it for us. But if we wake up, and I, I put my book out, as I called it, the global wake-up call. A global if
0: wake-up
1: wake up call. Wake up out of our sort of dream-like state and realize no one is going to come from the outside to save us. We have to do this ourselves. The only way out, as I say in the book, is in. You've got to go into yourself, mm-hmm. into your intuition, into your heart wisdom. And then you also need to connect and collaborate with people in a different way. We're all in this together. You know, mm-hmm. even in a very different way, not speaking metaphysically, but the famous architect and philosopher Buckminster Fuller came mm-hmm. up with this notion of spaceship Earth. You know, so we have to think of ourselves on this Earth's planet. We're all like on a spaceship. In sterile outer space. And so we, we have to share our provisions. We have to make sure we, you know, uh, dispose of our garbage, so to speak, properly, and so on. Um, and that was a just intellectual sense, you know, how we have to cooperate. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a spiritual level, even more powerfully, uh, we don't have much time. Um, again, it's so painful to I me mean, how fast things are deteriorating. And I'm desperate just to wake people up. And my book Mm -hmm. was designed not to entertain anyone. Mm -hmm. It's not for profit. I actually funded it through my retirement savings. And I've given a tremendous amount of income and savings to produce this. Mm -hmm. I'm just desperate to help people wake up. And not in a way, again, of believing necessarily in me or anyone else. I want to wake them up. Mm -hmm. I want them to become conscious and aware. And when they are, they'll feel the connection. Mm -hmm. They'll see the light ahead, as opposed to the looming darkness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And I know that uh, when when we speak about ego, and people, there's a lot of people that don't understand that they don't realize that that chatter in their head is ego. They don't realize that they have um, an existence other than uh, the roommate in their head. Yeah. And that we have, what is it, like 80,000 thoughts every day. And and each day we have almost the same thoughts. And uh, because we're listening to our ego. And so uh, it's difficult to make that journey to the heart or to consciousness. Because I remember that people would say to me, Howard, hmm and I read it in books. Um, look inside. You need mm-hmm. to go inside. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where do I look? Even um, you know, uh, a longtime author mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that he would say, get up in the morning with a cup of coffee and, mm-hmm. and go inside, and that's where your gold is. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know where to look, and I don't think I'm any different than anybody else. No, you're not. Where you're on a journey and you don't know where to look. And the thing is, you look in your heart, you breathe into your heart, yes. because that's where your true essence of your being is. Yeah. And I think that when you get into in touch with yourself at that level, where you can actually feel your cells in mm-hmm. your body,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think then you come into a huge conscious awareness. And it's very tender, but when you get to that point you can then court your soul for direction yes because a lot of people don't even know that they have a soul and that's what their emotions are from
1: i know they they just think we're a biological form of a computer in a sense and you know our society our culture is getting more and more uh modeled on how computers work and Reducing yes. more and more our own interaction because you're now talking to voicemail or you're texting as opposed to you know a real human being yes uh, who isn't just you know controlled by an algorithm
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and we're going along with that like these you know devices these smartphones for example I say they're getting smarter and smarter but they're making people stupider and
0: stupider yes in my
1: book coming back to you as I said yes I try not to just explain and prove Mm-hmm. about how reality works. But I also try to give experiences for people, practices. Yes, you So do, back yes. to what you asked me. So for example, if we intentionally pay more attention, looking into people's eyes, it's hard to do it on a screen in this you know, mm-hmm. uh, Zoom age now, as mm-hmm. we do it virtually, but when you have that chance in the outside world, in everyday life, to look at people in the eyes, mm-hmm. even if they're strangers, uh, or when you're talking, we're more aware uh, there's that, you know, pinnacle expression, the eyes are the windows of the soul. It's yeah. actually a very long tradition in tantric yoga about soul gazing through mm-hmm. the eyes. So that's a, I, won't, I don't want to call it so much a quick way, but but that's a good way mm-hmm. and a fairly quick way to connect more deeply with others. Back mm-hmm. to what you said about the heart, I have a whole section, as you know, on the heart, yes. and the intelligence of the heart, mm-hmm. and again, scientifically, as well as, you know, the mystical descriptions of such. Mm-hmm. And so one of the other exercises in the book is, is to try to, as you put it, put your awareness more in your heart area, mm-hmm. the left chest area, yes, where you can actually sort of feel, it's hard to put this in words, mm-hmm. um, that area in your sensory system, as opposed to intellectually just thinking, I'm just concentrating, you actually feel a little more sense of awareness there.
0: It's a big difference in that, isn't there? It sounds like you could just say that in a short sentence, but oh my goodness, it's a big journey there.
1: And then when you're choosing to relate to someone, you know, side when I saw the eye contact, coming from your heart, it's a whole other level. For one thing, there's compassion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. And I would say connection, even kind of. on the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. when you come from your heart. Similarly, oh, yes. if you're facing some important decision and you you don't know what to do, what's the right thing or what's the safe thing. Go with your heart, mm-hmm. reflect on it. How does it feel in that part of your body? Mm-hmm. It's weird, but it really helps. Right. Another exercise that I give to you formally, because for many people these are challenges, is proper way of meditating. Because there's so much misinformation about mm-hmm. meditation. And there too, you have what seems so many different competing, you know, schools and as like competing religions. Right. But but there are some essential guidelines which I give in the book. And, and want to just to jump ahead real quickly in terms mm-hmm. of so how do people become more aware? of the greater within so i like the buddhist example Mm -hmm. of thinking of our thoughts and feelings like clouds passing in the sky Mm -hmm. so on one level at times the clouds are there you know and and sometimes they're darker and sometimes they cover the entire sky but nevertheless no matter what you see it's temporary Mm -hmm. they will eventually move and if you start relating to your feelings back to ego that way Mm -hmm. okay this is what i feel now but that's just what i feel right now mm-hmm. if i don't attach to it and they talk about non-attachment then i can be free of that or go beyond it mm-hmm. like if someone for example even simply you know wants to diet, which is a huge challenge for people most mm-hmm. americans are overweight mm-hmm. um, and if they looked at it that way okay so i have a feeling a temptation of eating mm-hmm. but it's just a feeling a temptation i don't have to it's not that my body will collapse if I don't have that food I, I desire right now. Mm-hmm. And if I direct my mind onto something else, perhaps in just a few minutes more, I won't even feel desire for it. And I'll feel better. I didn't succumb and eat mm-hmm. more than I should have or you know, take junk food or whatever it might be. So if we learn to, again, detach, or as they say in Buddhism, non-attachment, you're aware. It's not that you stop your awareness. Mm-hmm but you're not so attached not so fixed to it Mm -hmm. and as you do that you're opening to what i call the greater spaciousness within
0: right
1: even in meditation practice itself and where we work a lot with breathing in most meditation traditions it's the space between your breaths that's the sweet spot Mm -hmm. where you go deeper yeah like going from let's say swing on surface of the water to diving under you know the water
0: right it sure is. I am totally lost in this conversation with you. <laughs> <You're, Sorry. laughs> you are listening to the Rhonda Grant show right now, whose podcast is being um, treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Simotrex. And I am speaking today with uh, Howard Eisenberg, who is the author of Dream It to Do It. How many people uh, reach out to you and purchase this book? You You have a website that you spoke about.
1: Yeah, the um, the best way to obtain my book is through online retailers. So here in Canada, Chapters Indigo, uh, right? Amazon around the world. Uh, it's not in bookstores. You can order it through a bookstore as uh, a special order, but the easiest way to get it uh, is definitely online. Both for the print versions of it, the, there's also an ebook, and now the audiobook too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the audiobook is really good. So that's at on Audible.
1: Mm-hmm. And other platforms as well. And a, oh
0: yes, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, sure it is. And so we've talked quite a bit about your calling and being mm-hmm. called and not having a choice. I mean, that would this is your life. And no. uh, <laughs> yes. which is which is no, but which is mm-hmm. amazing because there's so many mm-hmm. people that have not even are, are not in touch enough with themselves to know what their calling is. And there's no there's no limit on when you have to find out where you know, where you've been called to. But one of the things that I like to ask is that, do you feel like you've been called? But you've answered that for us for sure. But the other is, what extraordinary discovery have you found in your life?
1: I don't know that I could give you a simple answer to that one. Um, mm-hmm. The revelation, I'll call it that, about three years ago, that Yes. the common assumption again the reality out there is a metaphysical fiction the real reality is within um, I mean that's that's the really biggest experience insight most important awareness I think I've mm-hmm. had in my life
0: And it was very it's so profound um, yeah. I, I, mean, I can't from, I can't wait know, to listen to it again
1: <laughs> going from as I said trying to be an intellectually um, Aware and logically uh, minded person, thinking that as a younger person, that I had to be an agnostic because I I was aware that there were so many different religions, like which was the right one. I already had as a kid that awareness, like they can't all be right because they're to mm-hmm. mutually exclusive, um, and plus not say wanting to be controlled. Um, so it was quite a flip for me, as I say, 180 degrees three years ago to realize. The fiction we've all bought into, which is so convincing, it's still not real. And what we mm-hmm. have been forgetting, in our cultural histories all over the world, is the religious teachings. Mm-hmm. And they're not just well, when people didn't know better, that's what they thought. Um, they have been distorted through 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 time, uh, mm-hmm. through egos. But I go back to the essence, and there's a concept in. Um, Telecommunications called signal to noise ratio. Uh, when you want to send a signal, some information, mm-hmm. and if you have what's called a noisy channel, let's say a bad internet connection, yes, uh, one way of dealing with that in a meaningful way is to send the message repeatedly, so the errors, let's say, or the gaps cancel out. Mm-hmm. So when I took that model, the signal to noise ratio, to the different world religions. And I looked at what's in common to them all. What doesn't cancel out? Mm -hmm. And I found yes, that's true. So I think what I've come up with, and no one has said otherwise, it's proof of God. It's not just the teachings that there is a God. It's proof, Mm -hmm. and people can experience themselves in that book with some of the exercises I give them.
0: Right? Oh, they sure can. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: It's one I I I know I, I suggested at the beginning of the book. You know, for people who are dealing with some mental psychiatric problems, probably not to read such a book on their own unless they're advised. I mean, many therapists are advising their patients to read it, but I still think if someone is knowing they're having problems uh, with their grip of reality or emotional regulation Mm -hmm. in therapy or counseling, the first, you know, check, it's an appropriate book for them. Mm -hmm. It's very Mm -hmm. powerful.
0: It is very powerful. And uh, that's a good point because you need to be grounded. Mm-hmm. um in order to investigate uh these types of things for sure i so enjoyed uh our conversation today Likewise. uh you're a brilliant man and i i love what happened to you three years ago and i can't wait to listen to the podcast so that i can listen to that part of it again well i'll listen to all of it but um it really took me off guard Uh, because I live at this level, too, and I'm learning everything and anything I can about this. But Mm -hmm. that really, really struck me. Thank you so much for being a guest on The Rhonda Grant Show. I am looking forward to having more discussions with
1: you, Howard. Thank you so much, Rhonda.
0: Theme song for The Rhonda Grant Show, Sun on the Water, is composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with The Rhonda Grant Show author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rondagrantauthor.com That's rondagrantauthor.com Digital Audio Health by. Cymatrax.